Disclaimer. In this story, we will be discussing the murder of an 11-year-old boy. This chapter may be triggering for some listeners. This will be the only warning. Please do not listen if you are sensitive to this topic. The person accused in this case is guilty as sin. You want me to say that? (laughs) Yes, I'm happy to include that in the disclaimer. I hate her. I hate her. Okay, she's guilty. Let's get into it. (laughs) So the case I'm covering today is wild. Unfortunately, the crime itself is not wild because we hear about this kind of thing all too often with parental figures murdering the children in their care. There are so many of these cases even right now in the news. So we had a sex predator murder two teenage girls as well as his three stepdaughters, his wife, and himself. The seven bodies were found in the creep's property not long ago. Um, and so much twisted information is coming out of that one. Another case has a stepmother beating and strangling her six-year-old stepdaughter to death, stuffing her little body into a 10-gallon chlorine bucket and using a little red wagon to, lo- to walk the bucket over to her biological mother's house and placing the bucket on the front lawn of that mother's house. That's this case? That's not this case. This I'm oh. working on that case, but this is crazy. It's Bella Fontenelle. Yeah, I remember you sent me that. Yeah, the ring camera. You can actually see her do that. It's crazy. Um, another high-profile case that was in the news recently was the Lori Vallow. What a psycho. It just hurts my soul. There's so many of these horrible cases, and it seems to be happening. That would take us a season to yeah. go through that bitch's case. Yeah, and I think she's being charged with other stuff, like now. Like she should be. Step she's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But this case that we're doing today is wild to me because of the person who is responsible. When I started writing this, the trial was still going on, but it's done now. Um, Today, we're going to go through the case of Letitia Stock. Now, I'm not going to call her Letitia Stock from here on out. I'm going to refer to her as Letitia uh, because during her sentencing, um, her ex-husband Gannon's father stood up and said, please stop referring to this woman using my family name. So out of respect for Al, she's just Letitia. Um, this woman is twisted and crazy, and she pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. So not guilty by reason of insanity is different than crazy. Uh, We'll get into a little bit of the legal definition a little bit later. But to me, in the simplest terms, to be held not guilty by reason of insanity, the person doesn't understand that there are consequences of their actions, like their mens rea or guilty mind is absent. Um, In Canada, it's called not criminally responsible or NCR. And from what I've read, there are differences in meeting these standards in Canada than in the U.S., So I'm not going to go into a bunch of explanations what these terms mean, but at the end of the day, an insanity plea win in this case would be a travesty, which, uh, spoiler alert, doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Good. But just keep in mind for the first little bit of this, um, we were still watching the trial. We were going through the motions. Is this the carpet one? No. No. Oh, yes. Okay. Little piece of carpet. Yes. This is the... Yes. Burnt carpet. The candle? Yes. This is that one? Yes. Oh, okay, word. Gannon Stock was born on September 8th, 2008 to his parents, Landon and Albert Stock. Gannon would be joined by a little sister when the couple had Elena a couple of years later. Gannon was born early. He weighed over just over one pound. He grew to be a healthy, happy, kind, and loving boy, though. And he did have some issues, but he persevered. Now, at some point when Gannon was eight, his parents split up and his dad remarried um, to a woman named Letitia in 2016. Letitia had a daughter with her first husband um, and her name is Harley. So Letitia was born on August 4th, 1983. She received a doctorate in education from Liberty University. Um, which is a Christian college in Lynchburg, Virginia. Letitia's first marriage ended in divorce and produced one child uh, before marrying Albert in 2016. Letitia racked up a rap sheet in the Carolinas with domestic violence, battery, and theft charges. She worked as an elementary and secondary school teacher in both North Carolina um, and South Carolina where she was found in breach of contract, thereby losing all of her educational certificates. 
um, in both uh, North Carolina and South Carolina. So after moving to Colorado in 2018, Letitia listed herself as a curriculum developer for District 49 in Colorado Springs on her LinkedIn and Facebook profiles. District 49 officials later stated that they have no record of Letitia as an employee at any time. She lasted as a teacher at French Elementary School in Colorado Springs for one semester before the school terminated her. Before Gannon's murder, Letitia went through a three-day orientation to work as a teacher at Mountain Ridge Middle School. Mountain Ridge rescinded her employment offer. We're not sure why. Why? I mean, I, I could guess her, her credentials were probably fake. Yeah, and they probably checked her references. <laughs> you would think, hopefully. Um, so the blended family, so Al and Letitia with Harley and then Gannon and Elena, they lived in Colorado Springs. Al was a member of the Colorado National Guard and would often be away at work, um, leaving Gannon and Elena under his new wife's care, along with Harley, who was, I should say, was 17 at this time. So she was an older teenager. Mm -hmm. um, fast forward a few years later in January 2020, Gannon was in the fifth grade at Ground Mountain School in El Paso County in Colorado. So between 2016 and 2020, the family would move from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to Alaska, to Colorado Springs, and it was all due to Al's military career. The week leading up to January 27, 2020, Al was in Oklahoma on a training trip for the National Guard. Actually, the, he wasn't gone the whole week. Um, he had left, I think, on the Friday night. Mm. Monday, January 27th, everything changed. Gannon didn't go to school on Monday because he had had a stomachache from the night before. On Monday night, Letitia reported Gannon had gone missing from their home. She claimed Gannon had gone to play at a friend's house sometime between 3 and 4 p.m., but he hadn't returned home. Letitia said that she didn't know what friend's house he went to, but the friend's house was somewhere in their neighborhood, just maybe a few streets away. Within 24 hours of the first 911 call, Letitia's story wasn't adding up. She initially told detectives that Gannon had walked to his friend's house at 3.15, but reports say Letitia ended up calling the police around 7, and she reported him as a runaway. And because of the way it was reported, it was logged as a non-emergency. The police didn't actually arrive to the Stockholm until 10 p.m. that night. Like, did she tell them that he was only 11 though like run away at, at 11 like it should be an emergency i don't know yeah but it wasn't logged as an emergency because it was just a runaway he just hadn't come home from his friend's house and she just wasn't sure what friend's house he was at when Letitia told al about gannon being missing he immediately started making arrangements to fly home from oklahoma he actually took emergency leave and was able to fly out early the following morning he said that his wife knew something was wrong when gannon didn't come home he said, and I quote, Gannon is not really the type to just walk off. We kind of do the streetlight rule. When the streetlights come on or it gets dark, they better be home. And it was maybe 30 minutes past that. So we started to worry at that point. They then started texting all of the friends that Gannon could have possibly gone to and nobody had seen him. He repeated what Letitia had told him about Gannon. Uh, didn't say which friend's house he was going to in the neighborhood and that it was unlike him, and that's why they were obviously very concerned. When pressed on simple details about the friend's name, address, and phone number, Letitia couldn't answer. Search parties formed on Monday night, and drones were also brought out to try and find Gannon, and now January in Colorado obviously can reach dangerously cold temperatures, especially if you're at night and you weren't planning on being out, you don't have the proper winter gear on, and because of Gannon's age and the weather conditions, finding him was super important. Um, everybody was on high alert in the whole entire community. The El Paso County Sheriff's Office was working to do everything they could to help find Gannon. The law enforcement conducted a massive search, um, scouring the neighborhood, um, for any sign of Gannon, they used helicopters, drones, search job dogs. They had hundreds of volunteers out. The entire community rallied around this family. They put up posters and organized search parties. They'd search all through the day and night. They walked through neighborhoods, across open spaces. They looked in drainage ditches. The search ended up covering over a 10-mile radius around his home, but obviously nothing was found. Gannon's cell phone was at home, so there was no way to contact him or there was no way for him to contact his family. 
Monday turned into Tuesday, Tuesday into Wednesday, Wednesday into Thursday. There's still no sign of Gannon anywhere. A press conference was held to ask the public's help to locate Gannon. Landon, his biological mom, and Al went in front of the media to make a plea and to thank the community for the outpouring of help. So at this point, rumors begin to spread about Gannon's stepmom, Letitia, who was noticeably missing from the press conferences. Um, We know how quickly social media reacts to these types of things, and the sleuthing world was on it. Mm -hmm. A number of neighbors that had ring camera and security cameras showed the neighborhood and stated that Gannon was not seen on any of them leaving his house that afternoon. There were also rumors of Letitia not cooperating with law enforcement during the investigation, but it was all rumors at that point. Not long after he went missing, El Paso County upgraded the search for Gannon from a runaway to an endangered missing child. Letitia spoke with the media to dispel any rumors about her involvement. Actually, at trial, we come to find out that this interview came from a chance encounter with Letitia as she was leaving the Stockholm after she and her family packed some of her belongings to move out of the family home. How's that for suspicious? So so according to Letitia, Gannon's mom Landon and Landon's mother were staying at the house with her husband, um, so she felt pushed out of her own home. During the trial, specifically with the final prosecution witness, we learned about a text conversation between Harley's phone And just so you know, investigators believe Letitia was using Harley's phone for these texts. So between Harley's phone and Al accusing him of getting back together with Gannon's mom, Landon, and forcing Letitia and Harley out of the house. But the entire time um, Al is telling her or telling the texter that no, that wasn't true. He needs his family together. He asked her to come home. He's a concern for her safety, all that stuff. And that reporter... The day that they were collecting their belongings from the house in Colorado Springs, um, but not the one that was aired on TV. I want to play the portion that was played in court. So it's a very long clip. So this is I've I've just gone to the kind of the exact moment where the reporter says, "Do you have a message for Gannon?" She has her first to me honest message to Gannon, um, mm-hmm. and then right after she does a double take and asked to do it again so she can show some tears and maybe some concern for Gannon himself. Do you feel like these are just internet detectives who think they know what they're doing? It definitely is. And, you know, here's the thing that kind of saddens me. It's like, if you're going to talk about someone like that and have a witch hunt out for them, why would you even care, like, about doing those things? Because this is a child. You're telling me that you're just as mean, you're just as hateful to talk about someone else like that. That's how I feel. Like, we just should not. We should all come together and wait until the end and, and see what happens because Gannon's going to come home. Any message for Gannon? The message for Gannon I have is, Gannon, when you get here, you'll be able to truly tell what happened. And then I really hope I get a sincere apology from everyone who has made all those things, especially from my husband. We just wanted to add a message to Gannon from my family is that we love you and miss you. And we know that you come home soon. And again, I can't wait till you can come home and let everyone know that you're okay. We love you. It's as if I stepped in front of the camera and went, I would really like you to come home now so I could show and shove it in people's faces. To Especially <laughs> my husband. I just want to see you again and I hope yeah. you're okay. Like, that's so crazy. You can't you just switch make a flip also in this interview Letitia had harley come on to verify that she had seen gannon in bed sunday january 26 when she got home from work um in court harley explained that she arrived home from work before 11 p.m and that her mother made a point to take her downstairs to say goodnight to gannon who looked to be sleeping in his bed harley did find that strange but as we will come to find out Letitia is and has always been very manipulative, and this poor girl has been a victim of hers for her entire life. Um, we didn't have any of that information until the trial, though, so we're just taking the information in as it comes out. Also, let's put this in perspective. This entire time during this interview, Letitia knows exactly where Gannon is, where she hid that suitcase, waiting for an opportunity to go pick it up and take it somewhere else to dump. Do we even know about the suitcase yet? No. (laughs) 
But. <laughs> we'll get there. We're getting there. <laughs> so at this point, I want to stop and kind of give a bit of an idea to the listeners of how I decided to cover this case for the podcast. When Gannon went missing, it was all over social media. We heard bit, bits and pieces um, as we normally do in these cases, but not even close to knowing what was happening with the investigation. So collecting information from the news and social media and then watching the trial unfold, I was able to figure out what the news got right, where the gaps were, and where the media and the sleuths got it completely wrong. So I'm going to do my best to blend these sources as we go along. And um, so that listeners who maybe didn't get to watch the trial or didn't keep up with the case or the online news... Um, can get a better idea of just how manipulative and insane this investigation was. And in the end, I think we'll leave everyone with a good understanding of what probably happened to Gannon. And with any luck, like I said before, by the time I'm finished writing, the trial will have been over and the resolution will have been found, which it was. So Nice. Another positive spin on the evacuation, I guess. Obviously, Letitia's stories to Gannon's dad, Al, and law enforcement has changed countless times. So here are some of the versions. So there is a story about a construction worker who Letitia had found earlier in the day to fix a piece of carpet in the basement that she said had been burned in a candle accident. This guy's name was Eduardo. Letitia said that basically he raped her and took Gannon and a suitcase with him after the assault. Then after refusing a rape kit, Letitia changed her story yet again. She said she was watching Gannon ride his bike when he fell off and hit his head. Then two men came out of nowhere and kidnapped him. Like, girl, you can't change your story that much. Really, why are you changing your story? Can you at least tell us why? You, like, how you think you can change your story? I don't get it. Anyway. Right. So the first, the, the Eduardo um, rape story. So when the El Paso Sheriff's Office came to the house on the 27th, she said the abductor was actually still in the house and she tried to tell the deputies that somebody was there. Um, the deputies checked the entirety of the house. Um, it's all on body cam and obviously nobody was located. Another story was that she was raped by a fellow named Quincy Brown at her home and Brown abducted Gannon. Um, everybody figures she knew Brown's identity because she saw a piece of paper or sorry, she she went looking for somebody to pin this on. So Quincy Brown was in the neighborhood or registered in the neighborhood. He was registered as a violent sex offender. Um, but little did she know Quincy Jones had fled to Mexico years earlier and hadn't been back since. But she told police that she knew what his name was because uh, she saw a piece of paper with his ID card fall out of his pocket uh, Letitia sent a photo of Quincy Brown to Al via text message when all these stories were coming out and Al was trying to sort through it all. Um, but yeah, stupid. Yeah. Another story was this Quincy Brown followed her from Petco and at some point was laying in the middle of the road in front of her. When she stopped not to run him over, he jumped in the car and made her take him home where he raped her. Girl, the second that he gets to the side of the car, you just drive away anyway. Or something. <laughs> Another story, Letitia and Gannon were near County Line Road and Highway 105 in North El Paso County. Um, and Gannon was riding a bicycle in the area and fell and hit his head and then was abducted by Quincy Brown. Brown was driven... Oh, the... Never mind. So that two men part. again, and then yeah, one of two them men, was and trapped. one of them was Quincy Brown, and the driver was a guy, some dude named Terrence. Terrence. <laughs> so another story: while they were at Petco, a woman who looked to have been pregnant jumped in the passenger side of the truck and told the story of the cartel and showed Letitia the bulge in her belly that Letitia thought was a baby was actually a ton of cash. This woman went on to kidnap Gannon and threaten Letitia's life. And all of these stories are totally belie believable. Like, how did she not get off? Well, it's like, it's kind of interesting because like, I mean, a person who thinks that like, she if she actually believed that she would get away with these things even though she was changing her story so much. To me, that makes it seem and sound and like she kind of seems nuts. Totally. Which is like, and why I don't, I'm not insanity work. She because the, the, and this is where it's different. 
-hmm. crazy, not insane. Okay, so if you're not guilty by reason of insanity, you don't understand that what you've done is wrong or that there are consequences to that. Um, You have lost touch with reality. This woman is going to great lengths to cover up a murder that she knew was wrong. So you can put crazy people in prison. You just don't put insane people in, I guess. Right. And there's a very, very fine line. Yeah. To me, she's portraying crazy She's absolutely crazy. Yeah. For sure. But she knew what she did was wrong. She intentionally did it. And she went... How do you... Is there a way that we find that out? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, cool. So so we know that... So Gannon goes missing, quote unquote, on the 27th. Reported missing. Yeah. Correct. On the 28th of January, 2020, Letitia drives her car to a short-term parking lot at the airport and rents a Kia from Avis dealership. She then uses the rental vehicle to pick up Gannon's father, Al, at the airport around 9 a.m. Letitia returns to the short-term lot at 7 p.m. and allegedly moves Gannon's body to an unknown area to hide the body. Investigators believe Gannon had been in the car because Letitia wanted to avoid her husband discovering his son's body. So laying it out for you, Letitia put Gannon's body in that suitcase, put it in the back of her car, and then drove the car to the airport, parked it there, rented another vehicle, went and did her thing with Al, picked him up, did the search, then later that night went back, picked up the car, and went and dumped Gannon somewhere else is the story that they're going. So then Harley picks her mother up in her own car at 10.30 p.m., investigators believe, um, based on cell phone records. Um, On January 29th, 2020, the rental car is returned at 9 a.m. by Letitia. Letitia meets with investigators at the El Paso County Sheriff's Office. She arrives two hours late, according to the affidavit, and with her vehicle freshly washed. In fact, it was still wet. It still had water beads on it. The affidavit says that uh, Letitia arrived with sheets of paper and proceeded to tell investigators that she had been held at gunpoint by a man named Eduardo on the day Gannon went missing from their home. Letitia then says that she cleaned up the area before reporting Gannon missing, according to that same affidavit. Investigators seize Letitia's cell phone, apply for a warrant to take DNA samples, and during the video recorded interview, the affidavit says that Letitia then begins to stick tissues down her pants and says she's struggling to breathe and having heart problems. She's rushed to the hospital. Letitia is found to have no life-threatening health concerns, and upon being released, she slips out of the building without telling one, including law enforcement. Um, I should also say that she refused to have a rape kit done. Um, She basically calls Harley to pick her up again, um, but at a Taco Bell, which is about a block away from the hospital. So she's acting very suspicious and lying through her teeth. January 30th, Gannon's disappearance is now officially classified as a missing or endangered person's case. The sheriff's office asks anyone with information to call authorities and blast what was described as misinformation on social media about the case. Officials did not specify exactly what misinformation uh, to which they were referring to. So on February 1st is when Letitia and her family rent the moving van and collect their belongings from the house. So her her family being her brother and her mother and her daughter. So now Letitia goes and rents a second moving van and transfers everything from the first van to van number two. While on the stand, Letitia's brother said that he remembers seeing Letitia struggle struggle with an olive green suitcase that he seemed that he said it seemed to be too heavy for her. When he asked what was in it, she told him softball equipment and stated that she did not need help. Her brother said that it seemed odd and he had a bad feeling, but at that time, no one in her family thought Letitia would be capable of hurting anyone. It didn't even cross their minds. Uh, However, when Gannon was found, the brother heard that he was found in that olive green suitcase. At that point, he knew his sister had done it. February 3rd, though officials don't specifically address any rumors, Letitia responded to online comments vilifying her in an interview with the local CBS affiliate, um, KKTV. Um, So that was the interview that we played the short clip of earlier. 
She basically goes on to say what a great stepmother she is. Um, so officials say they'd put in thousands of hours into search efforts, including the, the aerial like helicopter, drone footage, search and rescue canines and all of that. Those involved in the search uh, included the FBI Child Abduction Rapid Deployment, National Center for the Missing and Exploited Children, and Colorado Springs Police Department. On February 3rd, a neighbor comes forward with surveillance footage that he says showed Letitia leaving the house with Gannon and returning hours later alone. Now, I'd like to say that I watched that video, and I agree that we can't really see anyone but Letitia exit the truck when they get home. I was actually stuck on that and honestly thought that she took him somewhere and killed him and never came home. However, through listening to the trial and hearing the evidence, yeah, somehow Gannon did return home that day with Letitia, but was murdered inside the house shortly after returning. We will get into it, but back to that video um, from the neighbor's ring cam. So the neighbor's name is Roderick Drayton, and he told ABC News that he decided to look through his footage once the search intensified, and he saw Letitia getting into a red pickup truck, which belonged to Al, on Monday morning at 10.13 a.m. The footage also appears to show Gannon walking slowly as he approaches and gets into the truck. When she returns with the truck at 2.19 p.m., Gannon is nowhere to be seen. A spokeswoman for the sheriff's office told ABC News that investigators have a copy of the video and do not dispute um, the neighbor's description. The neighbor said that he showed the security footage to Al, Gannon's father, on Sunday. And he said he just broke down, started crying. He said she lied. She lied about the time. He didn't go to a friend's house. So on February 4th, Letitia arrives with her daughter Harley in Florida and checks into a hotel which happens to be just three miles away from where Gannon's body would be discovered. On February 5th, Gannon's biological mother and father make a gut-wrenching plea together for anyone with information to come forward. Quote, a kid doesn't just disappear and no one sees him. So if you have anything that's credible, if you're afraid, don't worry about it. Imagine my son. Imagine how afraid he is. Gannon's mother, Landon, said through tears in a YouTube video that was posted to El Paso County's official channel. Gannon's younger sister, Lena, also sat down with the parents for the statement, and she ended it by saying, I love you, Bubba. And obviously, neither parent addressed rumors about Letitia. So as far back as Saturday, February 1st, detectives found possible traces of blood on the rear of her vehicle and rear passenger seat, front passenger seat area near the glove box. This is the same day that Letitia took Harley, their dogs, and the suitcase containing Gannon's body and left Colorado in the rental van. Um, and that was according to Harley when she was on the stand at trial. Harley said that she didn't know why or where they were going and had very little notice that they were even leaving. Um, she also stated that she never went to or even really looked in the back of the van the entire trip. Harley said that her mother kept the air conditioning blasting in the front, and any time Harley would ask her to turn it down, Letitia would say that she was hot. I mean, this could explain how she didn't smell the dead body. Um, Harley also said that she was a sound sleeper, and that it was possible that one night while she was sleeping in a hotel, her mother could have left to dump the suitcase and then return without Harley even knowing she so was gone. So Harley was saying that? So she knows that her mom did it or what? Yeah, this was at trial, yeah. And so she knew that her mom did it? She was, yeah. I mean, the evidence was pretty clear. And that, by that time, Letitia had changed her not guilty to uh, not guilty by reason of insanity. So she basically was saying, yeah, I did it, but I was crazy. Oh, okay. And then where did Harley go? Like, who did she start staying with? Um, eventually, she started staying with an aunt and uncle, but um, at some point she became an adult and she's kind of going through college and stuff right now. She's mm -hmm. on her own. Okay. So over the next few weeks, detectives conduct more thorough searches um, through the stock house. So Blue Star is used to find the presence of blood. And they use that in Gannon's bedroom um, from the hallway leading to the utility room from the bedroom. The utility room itself the staircase leading upstairs, the pathway to the garage, and the garage area itself. In Gannon's room, suspected blood found seeped through to the carpet, 
through the pad and stained the concrete. Blood stain and blood spatter were located on the walls in this area. 50 droplets of suspected blood were found on the walls near Gannon's bed, and Gannon's mattress had red stain on the carpet and blood cast on the wall. Experts say blood stains on the walls were likely created by a gunshot, blunt force, or stabbing. And all of this was found, remember, before Gannon's body was found. Yeah. Suspected blood is also found behind... Um, and around the edges of an electrical socket that was right next to Gannon's bed. Mm. I just want to add, um, if the listeners hear any, like, scraping or crazy sounds, my dog's being crazy. (laughs) Yes, he keeps crawling under the couch and getting stuck. (laughs) So I'm doing well to stay focused, kind of. You are. So So Wednesday, February 12th, investigators start focusing their efforts in Douglas County, which is right beside the El Paso. Um, Thursday, February 13th, investigators start monitoring phone calls between Leticia and Al Stock. Al knows this is happening, and actually the FBI has agents with Al at all times kind of coaching him, helping him stay calm and try to get more information from Letitia through Secret all of this. agent man. Yeah. And quite honestly, through the trial, we get to hear all of the phone calls. And it is so long and excruciating. And if you are able to put yourself in Al's position, knowing that this is about his son, he does a phenomenal job at keeping his composure and not just freaking out and yelling at her, give me back my son or something. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, he does really well. During these calls, Letitia states that Gannon was burnt with a candle to the point that his skin bubbled. Uh, Apparently, Gannon peeled burns off and wiped blood on his bedroom wall. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had some pretty bad burns in my day and never once have they bled to the point where if you, they wouldn't drip blood or anything like that. It's not that kind of a injury. She would have been, she would have been better off saying like he had like a mosquito bite and or something. (laughs) And there is actually, there's also um, a video for whatever reason, after this candle incident had happened for whatever reason, Letitia decided to start recording Gannon with her phone And he is extremely upset, and she's just basically saying, look, now this happened, you didn't mean to do it, if you promise you didn't mean to do it, then we're going to fix it before the landlady sees and kicks us out, so we're going to have to sell something tomorrow, we'll sell the couch, we'll do whatever we have to do to fix the carpet, and he's literally just crying and hyperventilating, saying, I'm just worried about my burns, and she's like, shh, 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 now we've got to take care of this. And who's saying that that happened? It's on video. It's on video? Yeah. Of that conversation? Yeah. Who took it? Harley? Letitia. Letitia. Gannon, I promise this is the last time I'm going to ask you. I'm just freaked out, okay? Are you sure you didn't do it on purpose? I did it. Okay, you promise. You promise. On purpose. Pinky promise. Pinky. Okay, all right. So, listen. Listen. We're, all right, I'm, we're going to have to sell stuff to fix it, okay? okay? So we figure out what we're going to sell. We can sell the sofa. We can sell whatever, because we got to get it fixed. So, lady, don't be mad at us and kick us out of the house, okay? <clears throat> you got it? For whatever reason, decided to record this. Oh, to send it to... Well, that's heartbreaking. But um, Al didn't ask about the blood on the wall before Letitia made that comment, so... Um, his more red flags are just flying up. And by this point, Al and the FBI know that something terrible has happened and Letitia did it. So they're just gathering evidence and trying to trying to find Gannon. So Saturday, February 15th, investigators located a piece of particle board during their search when they were searching up in Douglas County. Um, it had stain that appeared to be blood and later the blood profile did match Gannon. I want to say, or I assume, that the particle board was probably in Letitia's trunk when she first moved Gannon's body. Um, remember, she had parked her vehicle at the airport, and it was there for hours um, with that suitcase in it. So there was probably a particle board in there, and it bled through. I think that she noticed the blood on it when she went to move Gannon's body, 
and she threw it out with the suitcase that first night. When she picked up the suitcase later the following day, she left the board behind for whatever reason. Maybe it had been covered in mud or, you know what I mean? Maybe she was in a hurry, but she just, she didn't grab the particle board, but she did take the suitcase. Letitia told Al over the phone that the blood in the corner of Gannon's room was a combo of hers and Gannon's. She said that the abductor raped both her and Gannon and was present when uh, El Paso police came to the house that night. What cruel and ridiculous stories that come out of this woman's mouth. On Tuesday, February 18th, Letitia calls a phone number, which later investigators find out is associated with www.fatefakepolygraph.com. Letitia tells the person that answers that she never received confirmation for the test that she paid for. The unknown male said that he'd send her an email. Letitia calls the number again and inquires about the email, and the mail says that her report was blocked by management because of the questions wanted on the test. He said that any test dealing with illegal activities, that the company has the right not to send it. So this is the conversation. Letitia, what do you do now? Just delete it and go on about life and keep my money? <laughs> the mail, yes, we do indeed. Letitia, Okay, I gotcha. Thank you. Goodbye. So detectives reach this mail with the website and ask for questions that she was trying to get answers for. Oof. So just to kind of summarize, obviously, did you, do you know where your stepson is? Did you kill your stepson? Blah, blah, blah. All of these were the questions she was trying to get answers for. Having said that, now Letitia calls this number back another time and says, I don't understand what was wrong with the questions that I wanted answered or wanted on the test. It was all about whether or not I was cheating on my husband. It had nothing to do with anything illegal. In fact, your website says that we can give you a polygraph saying that you weren't um, unfaithful. And the guy's like, that's not the question bucket that we have here. And so, yeah, just, just so you know, she did go back and try to cover her tracks and it all came out in trial. But uh, yeah, she tried to purchase a fake polygraph test showing that she had nothing to do with Gannon's disappearance. She's an idiot. How embarrassing. I mean, she sat there. Like some of the trials, she was doing hand gestures and stuff. And she was like giving the finger and stuff to witnesses and shit. And the judge caught (laughs) on and he was like, don't do it again. I don't want to have to handcuff you here, but I will. But that's the thing. I don't think she finds it embarrassing. She didn't. That's the point. She was just so bored with it all and just so over it. It was just ridiculous. So on March 2nd, Letitia is arrested and is held without bond in the Horry County, South Carolina, before she's extradited to Colorado Springs. So Gannon's body still has not been found at that point. She's been charged with first-degree murder of a child under 12 by a person in a position of trust, child abuse resulting in death, tampering with a deceased human body, and tampering with physical evidence. On March 11th, Letitia makes her first appearance in Colorado after being extradited from South Carolina, where she was arrested. So when Letitia was being extradited, she was being transferred from South Carolina back to Colorado to face these charges. They're on an interstate highway, so it's Letitia in cuffs, um, in custody, being extradited by two two officers, I should say, and a driver who's also an officer. And there's actually dash cam video of this crazy woman getting herself out of her handcuffs on the interstate. They're driving like 75 miles an hour on the interstate. Um, She gets herself out of the handcuffs, grabs a full energy drink, like an unopened can of monster energy drink, one of them big bastards, and proceeded to hit the deputy sitting beside her in the face with this full can of energy drink. So obviously driving 75 miles an hour. Now everybody is shocked that Letitia got out of her cuffs and blah, blah, blah. Um, They pull over. They are able to get her under control. The whole time she's saying, I just wanted the window open. I told (laughs) y'all I was hot. I was just, I just wanted to open the window and I mean, okay, but going 75 miles an hour on the interstate and you just wanted to open the window of that van, so you had to hit somebody in the head with it. Whatever. 
And that video. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. She's crazy. And that video, again, is on YouTube. If you want, I can link it to the show notes. But I mean, it's just absolutely, this woman is just, like, I hate her. Like, I hate her. So she did not speak during her appearance in uh, Colorado. uh, But authorities said that they had filed over 100 search warrants in the case and were confident that the boy's stepmother was their suspect clearly. So nine days later, on March 20th, authorities say they found Gannon Stock's body in Pace, Florida, near the Escambia River Bridge. Bridge inspectors found the suitcase while doing routine inspections. This actually made Gannon's dad and mom Landon believe that uh, maybe it was divine intervention. Apparently, these inspections are only carried out every so often. And so had the inspection already been done, Gannon may have never been found or the extent of his injuries and what actually happened to the sweet boy would probably not be detectable due to decomposition. The El Paso County District Attorney's Office filed the nine additional charges against Leticia, including one count of first-degree murder after deliberation and eight counts of committing a crime of violence. At trial, Dr. Susan, at trial, Dr. Susan Ignacio, who helped perform the autopsy on Gannon Stock in Florida, was the first witness of the day. So she said that um, Gannon suffered 18 sharp force injuries, four blunt force injury, and one bullet wound. Gannon's entire body was decomposed, some of his bones were showing, and he was wearing the clothes he died in. The medical examiner described blunt force injuries to Gannon's head, including a hole in his jaw from a gunshot wound. The manner of death was ruled as a homicide. During the autopsy, a toxicology report was done. Acetaminophen and hydrocodone were found in Gannon's system. The medical examiner says that he found uh, hydrocodone unusual, but wasn't sure if he had a prescription for it or not. So, but when Al was on the stand, he said that he had a prescription for a hydrocodone for a hand injury he had. He kept the prescription in his nightstand, but never would give it to his kids. He said he and Letitia were the only ones that knew it was even there. Jurors heard that Letitia went looking for that fake polygraph test. They went through all that testimony. She even made a call to deputies pretending to be her teenage daughter, Harley, trying to get stuff out of her car say, I need it for school and this and that. It was just bullshit. It was clearly Letitia. And you get to listen to all of these phone calls and stuff uh, uh, during the trial. So she does end up confessing? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm waiting. The not guilty by reason of insanity is a confession. Oh, no. I thought she ends up saying, like, what she did. No? No, I mean, it's clear she stabbed the boy 14 times. She hit him over the head four times. Or sorry, 18 times, hit him over the head four times, and then shot him in the face. But she's never said, he annoyed me, or he did this. No, absolutely not. Um, So basically, they went hiking on the Sunday. According to Letitia, he pooped his pants, and then they went home, and he was sick. This is why she called him out of school the next day. She texted her boss at 4 a.m. saying that, um, my her stepdad had died in a car accident and she wasn't going to be able to go to work that next day. So she was off. But Lena went to school, Harley went to work, and just Letitia and Gannon were home. So this is where people think that it was premeditated. She just had enough. And you think maybe because Gannon was such a mama's boy, he loved his biological mom. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Letitia was just a fucking bitch And maybe he turned around that Sunday night and said to her, you're not my real mom, or I want to go see my real mom. And Letitia snapped. Just something stupid like that, right? Yeah. Like, 11-year-old boy. Like, I don't know. Letitia does seem like kind of a manipulative bitch to me. So, you know, terrible. So, anyways, where his body was found, um, prosecutors in El Paso, Colorado, claimed that Letitia stabbed and shot the victim on January 27th. She cleaned up the scene and hid his body, called 911, claiming Gannon was missing, and this launched the search that lasted for more than a month before those bridge workers thankfully found the suitcase. So Letitia's lawyer, Will Cook, claimed that a defense-hired expert, Dr. Dorothy Lewis, found Letitia had had a psychotic crack at the time that she allegedly killed Gannon. Um, And therefore... 
this doctor found her to be insane. But the prosecution put on a pretty strong case, in my opinion. The defense put on two mental health experts. The first basically testified that before January 27th, uh, Letitia was perfectly fine. I was confused. I wasn't sure what the point of her testimony was, but she she didn't help Letitia's case for insanity. Now, their second witness, Dr. Dorothy Lewis. Wow. I mean, let's talk about it. Did did you ever see the documentary Crazy Not Insane? No, I don't think so. Okay. So maybe, maybe I don't know. I can't remember. If you haven't seen it, go give it a watch. Um if you're familiar with the Arthur Shawcross case, um she did some work with Ted Bundy closer to his execution date. She's pretty well known. She's, I actually, I felt sorry for her on the stand. This little old lady, she's feisty still, but she really should have refused to take this case. She's quite famous. Um, she is an expert on um, dissociative identity disorder or DID, otherwise or used to be known as multiple personality disorders. There was a documentary, like I said, Crazy, Not Insane. It was all about her career. I enjoyed it, but she's very gullible with these killers, um, most notably Arthur Shawcross. In her diagnostic meeting videos, to me, it was clear that Arthur was faking every bit of it, but she was really leading him on. Um, but it was still really entertaining to watch. <laughs> um, she also met with Ted Bundy shortly before he was executed, um, and she was not impactful in either one of those cases. Um, there, there's other cases, but I think that'll do for now. Um, she, she went on and on with her answers. Very, you know, most of the time got completely off point. Wasn't really answering. Um, got to a point where you know she, she didn't. She wanted CT scans done on Letitia's brain. Um, the defense told her that it wasn't allowed, but she had forgotten that she had withdrawn that. You know, I mean, it was just, it was very strange. And it went on and on and on with this doctor. Mm-hmm. In any case, she did not help Letitia's claim of insanity. <laughs> um, it was quite bizarre and not good. Weird. So, and like I said, there were only two defense witnesses called. The first one basically said, yeah, before this, there was nothing wrong with her. And then, (laughs) and then after this old lady, then I, I really, really felt bad for her. I was embarrassed for her. Um, feel free to go watch, but I mean, it's, it's difficult to watch. Just if you have respect for your elders, it's painful to watch somebody be that humiliated, in my opinion. So the jury only took, I want to say seven hours. Yeah. Um, seven hours to come back with a guilty across the board. There were impact or sorry, victim impact statements read to the judge. Um, the speakers were not allowed to address Letitia directly, only third person through the judge, even though Letitia was sitting right there. Um, all of the impact statements were heart wrenching, especially from Gannon's parents. It's clear that this little boy was loved beyond measure. And Letitia hated and was jealous of Gannon's love for his biological mom, Landon. I mean, it was clear. Mm-hmm. So after all of this, and it seemed like a long trial, it took, like I said, the jury less than seven hours to find Letitia guilty on all counts. Uh, the judge took a few minutes to gather his thoughts before handing down his sentence. It, it was really, I found it really good. I did. I can imagine Gannon at some point after he sustained his burns telling you he wanted his real mom and how that comment would have made you angry. You took your frustration and anger for the marriage, the child care, the absence of Al, and even living in Colorado. You took all of that out on Gannon. The evidence suggests you first stabbed Gannon repeatedly, 18 times. Based on the number of defensive wounds, he was clearly conscious for some of that. He was certainly gravely wounded and chillingly. It would also explain how you were able to mimic the sound of Gannon breathing in one of your sessions with Dr. Lewis. Those were probably close to his last breaths. He was dying but not dead. The evidence could also lead one to conclude that he either fell or rolled off the bed where you shot him in the head 
and then beat him with the butt of a gun or a baseball bat. That would explain the blood found at different levels on the walls in Gannon's bedroom. I'm also reminded of the look you had on your face when you slipped your handcuffs while being transported back to Colorado and attacked Deputy James. I shudder to think that that was probably the last thing that Gannon saw before he died. You have shown no remorse throughout this process. Instead, you've made a choice to build a web of lies. When you gave an interview to Detective Jessica Bethel on January 29 of 2020, you told her you lied to her about Gannon running away and that he was actually taken by a guy named Eduardo. Sadly, statistically, there is a high correlation between violent acts, including uh, murders and family members. I have had a number of cases which have demonstrated one person's capacity for cruelty toward another human being. I can, however, say without hesitation that the facts in this case are the most horrific I have ever seen. Your conduct in this case deserves the maximum punishment that I can impose under Colorado law. As such, with respect to the charge of first-degree murder after deliberation, I remand you to the custody of the Colorado Department of Corrections for the remainder of your life with no possibility of parole. With respect to the charge of murder in the first degree of a child under 12 by a person in a position of trust, I remand you to the custody of the Colorado Department of Corrections for the remainder of your life with no possibility of parole. Those two sentences will merge. If you have questions about that, you can ask your attorneys. How sad. Some women are just evil. Oh, she's beyond evil. Like, I hate her. I hate her. Horrible. We can close the book on this one. It's a done deal. She'll never see the light of day again. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you don't mind giving us a five-star rating, it will help our show grow. You can also find us on Facebook at True Crime Story Podcast, where the discussion can continue, as well as TikTok and Instagram of the same handle. If you wish to contact us, you may do so at truecrimestorypod at gmail.com. I'm Bree. And I'm Shar. And we'll see you on the next chapter. Bye. Bye.